Thank you, Liz, for leading us in prayer. Thank you for Jason and Steve leading us in beautiful, reflective music this morning. I loved it. How about you? I always love singing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Reminds me that we are in the Advent season, so... It is the first Sunday of Advent. Thank you again for being here. We hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I also want to thank you again for your generosity that you've shown ZPC over these last eight months especially. And for many of you who turned in uh, commitment cards last week, we wanted to let you know that that was kind of the end of that time. You can still uh, hopefully get those online and fill those out online or mail those in this week if you haven't done that yet. So as we turn to Advent and Christmas, we're going to look at Isaiah the prophet. And why Isaiah, you say? Shouldn't we be in the Gospels and Matthew or Luke? We're going to get there. But we're going to do four Sundays on Isaiah because Isaiah really points to the hope and joy and peace and love that we need at Christmas. Today, he really points to hope. He points to the coming Messiah. And since we are going to spend four Sundays looking at different passages in Isaiah, I want to tell you a little bit about him. First of all, the book that he wrote is long. It's 66 chapters. We're going to be reading every single chapter. That's part of your assignments. I'm kidding. We're not. You don't have to read it all. It's a very, very long book. He's thought to be the greatest of the writing prophets. And Isaiah speaks often of the Holy One of Israel, a title for God that appears 26 times in this book. He lived mostly in Jerusalem. He saw when Israel was conquered, Israel was the northern kingdom, and he lived in the southern kingdom where Jerusalem was and Judah, and he foresaw and foretold the fall of Judah and Jerusalem. And yet, despite some of the negative things that are in Isaiah, this week the theme for Advent is hope. We have hope when we turn our hearts to God and we see what God might have for us in the future, the near future and the far away future as well. So with that, let's read Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God and let us pray. O Lord, on this day, this Sunday, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as we've heard already, we've had the Advent reading. We talked about this last week and this week. This is the first Sunday of Advent. Advent means coming, means Jesus is coming and Christmas is coming. Now, I know 
Christmas looks and feels exciting. Uh, baking cookies, decorating the tree, putting the lights out, the smells, the lights, the traditions, uh, family, special church services. I don't know about you guys. Have anybody got your decorations up yet? We have some at our house. We had some Christmas music on last night. And yet for many of us, Christmas can be difficult as well. There's so much expectation of what Christmas should be and can be that sometimes it just can't live up to the hype. When you buy all those presents, you still have bills to pay, and there's separation from family. Not everyone views or wants Christmas to look or feel the same way that you want it to. And this year, maybe more than ever, we will miss that person at the table because they have passed away or they live far away or even close by, but you're trying to stay safe. So I think then that Isaiah is good and right to study these four weeks because Isaiah touches on both bad news as a prophet and good news, the good news of hope. The bad news, maybe like the coronavirus for us, is that people are in trouble. As we said, Israel, which was the northern kingdom, as as the nation of Israel was split into two parts at this time in its history, Israel had already fallen. And Judah, which included Jerusalem, again, was going to fall. And Isaiah was talking about this. It was going to be conquered in the near future. So the bad news, again, is that the people have gone far from God. And if you read the prophets, you know this. Oftentimes, they're telling the people, You have strayed from God. You have gone far from God. Turn your hearts back to God. And we can see this right in Isaiah chapter 1. And then when we read again in Isaiah 2, we see it again. People have strayed from God. And unfortunately, I think we can relate. When we look around our world today, some of us feel that we have turned from God. Maybe it's by not caring enough. For those who are on the margins, or those who are homeless or poor, for those who don't know God yet. Or maybe it is by turning away from traditional values that we have held. In Isaiah 1, he simply says, stop doing wrong, learn to do right. And I I was going to say, this sermon today is going to be pretty much basic meat and potatoes. Isaiah says, stop doing wrong, learn to do right. And if the people don't do that, there will be consequences. Basically, that Jerusalem and Judah will fall. Personally, I think we sometimes need to hear that too. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do what is right. We know in our hearts that we rebel against God sometimes. I like to say, it's a good reminder for me, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I know you are there with me. Even if you don't like to say that, you're there with me, right? So that's the bad news. But in Isaiah, there's the bad news and the good news. The good news is that there is hope, that there is hope for the future. Even when things look bad, God has not forgotten the people, and God has not forgotten us. And so during Advent, again, we will talk about the good news on these four Sundays. Today, hope, and the other three Sundays, peace joy, and love. So let's look at Isaiah 2 for just a minute, a couple of those verses there at the start of the chapter. In chapter 2, we see hope for Jerusalem and for the future. 
and the mountain of the temple will be established and raised up. We're not quite ready for that yet on verses 4 and 5. So in verses 2 and 3, it talks about the mountain of the temple will be established and raised up. The last days could be the future generally, but probably they're the future when the Messiah will come, the time when Jesus is coming. It says that many peoples or people groups or nations will say, let us go to the mountain. Uh, They will come to meet God there. And the mountain is Mount Zion. It's where Jerusalem is built. It was at a high point, and that's why they built it there. It says that all peoples, peoples from all different nations will come. It's not going to be just the Jewish people. It's going to be people from all nations come to meet God there and to learn from Him. Then we read in verses 4 and 5 these verses here. He shall judge between the nations. He shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Uh, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so, O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. That's verse Five. This is a beautiful vision of peace, godly peace, no more war for a weary land. Now, eventually, Isaiah will talk about the Messiah. If you want to read ahead, and there's truly some beautiful passages in Isaiah, Isaiah 9 talks about what the Messiah will look like, the Prince of Peace and Wonderful Counselor. In Isaiah 53, we can read about the suffering servant, which we know now refers to Jesus. This is how we walk in the light, through Jesus. This is how we have hope, through Jesus. Another passage that is used oftentimes uh, during Christmas time is John 1, which also refers to walking in the light. It says in John 1, 4, in him, who him is Jesus, in him was life, and the life was the light of all the people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Even if it is a long, dark winter for us, we know that through Jesus, we have the light of the world, and that His light shines in the darkness for us. So here we sit On November 29th, it is a transition Sunday. You know, as we know, and I was thinking about this ahead of time, as we know, Thanksgiving was just a few days ago, uh, and Christmas is ahead of us. And so we're here in the middle on the first Sunday of Advent on November 29th. We need Jesus to come. Again, Advent means coming. We need Jesus to come. Things are uncertain. As Liz included in her prayer, people feel isolated, things feel crazy and different. And so I'd like to encourage you today from Isaiah to think both about thanksgiving as he gives thanks and praise to God and gives hope from God in Isaiah 2, but also to think about the coming, about Christmas, about the hope that we can have at this time. First of all, thanksgiving. If we look back a couple of days. Despite the wilderness and despite over the last eight or nine months feeling like things are so different than they've ever been before, we can still flourish. We don't have to just survive, but we can thrive in the wilderness. 
Jerry shared some of that kind of message last week, and if you weren't here, we saw a five-minute video of how God has blessed ZPC over the last eight or nine months, and I think that's on our website if you wanted to go see that again. But God has blessed us despite um, what has been going on in our world. You have blessed us with your generosity. Our missions, our programs, our global, global and local outreaches have continued all during this time. Earlier in the service, Jason um, sang the song, All Creatures of Our God and King, and he asked you to think about things that you are thankful for. And some of you may have said those silently after the song, but I want to give you a chance again because I think gratitude, and I think the older I get, it's very important not only to who we are as Christians, but I think even to our very souls. So I want to give you a chance again to say thank you. So One of our senior saints, this is about in the last 10 days or so, emailed me, Craig Furman. A lot of you know Craig. He had an idea he had seen before he passed on to me of how to be thankful. It's very simple. It's simply to write down the things you are thankful for. And here's the idea that Craig had is to find a piece of paper. I would add, if you want to do it on the notes on your phone, your notes app on your phone or somewhere else, do that. But simply you can write this. It's going to be here on the screens. You can write my thank you note to God. God, hear some of my blessings and answered prayers. So write that down somewhere, whether it's on the notes app on your phone, on a piece of paper. You don't have to write it right now. You can if you want. And then write things down that you are thankful for and give thanks to God. Being grateful can help change our mindset. As we remember that who we are thankful for and what we are thankful for, as we name it, I believe, and I believe this has been true in my own life, it helps us to maybe set aside some of the things maybe we're worried about or some of the things that we're anxious about as we focus on things that we do have about God has provided for us. Maybe not the things we don't have, but the things that we do have that God has provided. God is good. And Isaiah tells us that despite the truth that Israel is struggling in this passage and that they have been rebellious. Throughout the entire book of Isaiah, he also speaks of hope. And despite our own problems that we face today, whether they are global or national or local problems, whether they are the own problems in our own hearts, uh, we have hope that God is there with us and he has a great plan for our lives. I read just this past week as I was preparing for the sermon that researchers recently have found direct links between being optimistic, between being an optimistic person and having better health. It says optimistic people, more than pessimistic people, typically have a longer lifespan. They're better at being compassionate and having purpose in life. They went on to say they asked psychologists how to be optimistic. Here's a couple of things they said about how to be optimistic. Practice gratitude. Do what we just did. Say things that you're grateful for. Write them down. Keep a journal of things that are positive in your life. And remember people and think of people who have helped you, have been positive in your life. If you notice, a lot of these are really, they're really tied to gratitude and being thankful to God and others. We're doing this 40 days of meditation and the passage this week, which I think I read almost every day, Maybe not every day, but almost every day. 
was Psalm 100. In the middle of Psalm 100, it's a short little psalm, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. The Bible is full of places that reminds us to be grateful. So in light of thanksgiving, in light of your own heart and your mind, be thankful this week. And we shift to Christmas. It is the first Sunday of Advent, and we sing again, O come, O come, Emmanuel, we need you. And Emmanuel means God with us. It means Christmas is coming and Jesus is coming. Now, like many of you, and many of you are watching at home today, uh, I have missed some Sundays. So I missed the first three Sundays we were back here in the sanctuary. And I want to tell you, I was here on the last Sunday. We did, uh, what was it called, Kristen? The, the thing in the parking lot. We did the, the pumpkins in the trunk or treat. We did trunk or treat on the last Sunday in the parking lot. It was a great day. It was a beautiful day. And I enjoyed that. And then soon thereafter, I found out that my daughter had COVID. Now, she's 20 years old. She recovered quickly. She was great. But because I was around her, she was in our house. I was quarantined. And honestly, I was so incredibly disappointed not to be here on November 1st, the first Sunday to be back in the sanctuary. So I was coming back the next Sunday. I was out of quarantine. And my son got COVID. So he's 22. They're both young and healthy. And they both had kind of flu-like symptoms. But they recovered quickly. But I was quarantined for another two Sundays. And I learned some things during those time off. I missed three Sundays, almost four weeks of being quarantined. Uh, near the end of my time, I, would, I was going a little crazy. And honestly, I need to be honest, I was feeling a little sorry for myself. Maybe you've been there with me. But I also had empathy for the people who have been at home so much, for many of you who've been isolated, for some of our senior saints who maybe live in senior living centers who can't leave home under any circumstance, uh, people who are choosing to stay home because they are caring for loved ones, they can't get sick so that their loved ones don't get sick. And I, I feel for you and I have empathy for you and it made me think of that often over that time. One of the things I did to keep sane was to find a reason to leave the house. Now we have a little dog. I went on a lot of walks with the dog during those almost four weeks. Um, or if I couldn't go on a walk with a dog, I'd go for a drive. So we did a lot of grocery pickup. I know the Kroger down here at 106, they do a great grocery pickup. You know, Claire calls in the order or, or sends it electronically. I'll drive. I want to get out of the house. So you go down there, and as you know, probably, they put the groceries in your car, and you never have to touch anyone. It's beautiful. It's great. I love it. So I did that a lot during those four weeks. And then other days... Again, to confess here, when I would go for a drive, I might just happen to go through the drive through at McDonald's and get some fries and a Coke because, you know what, it just made me feel better, all right? But I'm getting to somewhere here. This does have a point, all right? One of those days when I was driving, I ended up parking in a parking lot just to be out of the house. I heard the song, Even So Come. This is a more contemporary song, but it's about Jesus coming, and I found myself listening carefully to the words, 
And being quarantined, thinking about people being having the virus, people in my own house having the virus, I started thinking, Jesus, I want you to come. My family needs you to come. Our world, we need you to come. And I wouldn't say that I was ready for Jesus to come back right then. I mean, I love my life here, not that I wish it away. But I was sensing that sense of, God, I want you to come back. And as a pastor and as a Christian with you, I long for the world to be better. And I resonated with the words in the song. They say this, there will be justice, all will be new, your name forever, faithful and true. Jesus is coming soon. Then it talks about us. We are the church, we're the bride. Like a bride waiting for her groom, we'll be a church ready for you. Every heart longing for our King. And when the world seems miserable in some ways, or our home lives, or sickness, I'm longing, I don't know about you, but I'm longing for Jesus to come back. Because with God's kingdom on earth, things will be better than they are now. If Jesus is not physically coming back right now, and I don't see him here today yet, in the meantime, we can celebrate Advent. We can celebrate that Jesus is coming this next four weeks at the time of Christmas. And I want to say three quick ways how Jesus can come. Jesus can come to us, in us, and then through us. To us, in us, and then through us. First, how can Jesus come to us? We go to the mountain. We go to the temple. You're in the sanctuary today. If you're at home, go to that favorite chair where you pray. Go to your computer and watch service. Be quiet and pray. You can go to God, and as you go to God, God comes to you. Jerry challenged, challenged us two weeks ago to begin a 40-day time of meditation, which leads almost perfectly right up to Christmas Day. He encouraged us to spend 15 minutes a day to find a spot and to meditate. As I said this past week, encouraged us to meditate on Psalm 100. Today, I'm encouraging you to meditate on Isaiah 2, 1 through 5, because it has that hope. It has that sense of going to God and then God coming to us as we spend time with Him. We also want you to know that the Advent devotionals has begun. And so I know on my phone around 6.45, I think this morning, popped up an Advent devotional. If you're signed up for that link, that should be coming to your phone. If you're not, go to the bulletin. You should have a way to sign up there. And if you can't, if it doesn't work, please call the church office in the next few days. And one of the people who answer the phone should be able to connect you and how to get you signed up for our Advent devotionals. That's how we can go to God and God can come, Jesus can come to us. Jesus speaks to the quiet places in our lives. As Jason played earlier, a couple of quiet songs, and then they had kind of that long interlude of quiet. Jesus speaks in us through the Holy Spirit when we are quiet and when we do meditate with God. So Jesus comes to you. Jesus can come and work in you. And then as Jesus works to us and in us, then he can work through us. How can Jesus speak through us or work through us? We have this famous passage about beating swords into plowshares. What does this mean? Well, for one thing, ancient plows 
were much smaller than today. They wouldn't look like the great combines of today or even the, the plows that might be pulled behind a tractor. Ancient plows were probably much more narrow, maybe mostly of a pole with like a trowel or a shovel, kind of a head of a shovel. And so you could see how perhaps swords could be refashioned or beaten into plowshares in the ancient world. What's that look like for us? Isaiah speaks of no more war. Today's swords might be God helping you to change uh, swords into plowshares in your own life. What could those swords be? Could they be anger or disagreement or some sort of separation or anxiety? The places in your life and in my life where we know that we need peace, that we need hope in our lives. So what can you do to help bring that about? I think one of the things we can do is even though we're distant from each other in most ways, we can look for ways to connect with others. We can see people as God might see them as children of God, whether they're similar to us or different from us. Just last Saturday, so eight days ago, I had just gotten off quarantine, and I participated. I got to do the sermon in a wedding um, at a Catholic church, and it was really fun. And one of the reasons it was fun, because they dress up in the Catholic church. So I got to wear my robe, my black long robe with the white stole. A couple of you would probably like seeing that. Uh, But that was a lot of fun. Now, the Catholic priest who led the service, I believe he was from Africa, listening to his accent. I didn't want to ask him, but listening to his accent, I think he he was from Africa. He made a point at the end of the ceremony to thank me for coming, a Presbyterian pastor, and I thanked him for including me. And he said to the congregation, it was mainly just the two families and their immediate families there for a very small ceremony. He said that we are all Christians Catholic and Protestant, and that we should be able to do things together like this. I thought that was a beautiful message. One of the two families from, was from Mexico, and the parents at the very small reception spoke in Spanish and English. And I remember thinking at the very small reception that we had, it was a beautiful picture of people coming together to support this young couple in love from places like Africa and Mexico, Catholics and Protestants, sharing love and support for this couple. Jesus is the wonderful counselor, the Prince of Peace, and he longs for his people to be together, to share life together, and to connect. How else can he work through us? Well, during that time that I felt completely stuck at home, I talked to my supervisor, whose name is Jerry, He says, well, Scott, since you can't be at some of the meetings or at home, one of the things I'd like you to do is make phone calls. And I received in my email inbox a couple of long lists of phone calls. And I made phone calls. I didn't really have an agenda. Mostly it was to say hello. And I see a few of you that I called here today, and maybe some of you are here watching at home. But I found out it was really phone calls to encourage people and to let them know that they weren't forgotten that we care about you, the church cares about you, I haven't forgotten about you, and to check in and see how you're doing. But I found, and sometimes I got voicemail, but oftentimes I got to talk to people, that I was greatly encouraged just by hearing voices of some people that I had not seen in months. And it reminded me of the power of simple things, the power of a connection, the power of a phone call, 
can, can go a long way. And so one of the ways that we can beat swords into plowshares that Jesus can work through us is to look for small ways that we might connect with someone, someone else during this Christmas and this Advent season. We can learn from bad news, Isaiah chapter 1, what's wrong, what do we need to change? God, I need to stop rebelling and I need to turn my heart to you. We can learn from the good news in Isaiah 2, there is hope for the future, peace on earth is coming because Jesus is coming. We can give thanks, we can meditate, we can listen to God, and we can seek peace and be instruments of peace as Jesus uh, works through us so that we may walk in his light. Let us pray. Oh God, as we come to you again this Sunday, let us have hope this week. As we go to the mountain, as we come here to the sanctuary, as we meet at home electronically, God, we look for places to find you, to find ways to be quiet, to talk to you, to listen to you, to help us learn. Then, oh God, help us to find ways to beat swords into plowshares, to share your good news in a world that Isaiah has mentioned often has bad news, that you are God with, with us. You can work to us, in us, and through us this season. We do pray for your help in Jesus' name. Amen.